Hi everyone, I'm Aaron from Blitz and the Roundhouse UNSW, and today I'm super stoked to be hanging out with Aussie singer, rapper, and songwriter Imbi. Imbi, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> How have you been? What's been like going on in your life? Oh my god, um, it's so it's so complex. Hey, I've been I've been good. I've also been like not good. Um, I've been happy and sad. You know, grateful and also like frustrated at the state of the world but I feel like that's a shared sentiment by most people at the moment <laughs> how have you been I've been good thanks I guess yeah same lockdowns like groundhog day every day my hair's growing like really long at the moment but I guess sooner yeah. or later I guess restrictions are slowly around end of October but like thanks for asking yeah good yeah. so yeah it's great to hear I guess just off the bat look I'm a big fan of yours but I guess for those tuning in who might not be too familiar with you Imbi, you brand yourself as part of the melodic rap genre. And I guess over the past couple of years, you've released two EPs as well as a handful of singles. And I think really like you really popped off within the Aussie hip hop scene. You know, you got like mm. nominated as Triple J Unearthed Featured Artists, nominated as Voice mm. of the Year in New South Wales and like collaborating with artists such as Genesis Owusu to Alice Ivy. So like really congrats on all that. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yep. And so today I'd just like to have a chat with you, maybe get to know you a bit more. We can talk a bit about your favorite artists and influences, your hot takes on the music industry, and I guess end with like a deeper look into your discography. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I guess before we get into that, into before we get into that, I just want to start with something I think we all experience at the moment. And like you mentioned, um, COVID nineteen. So I just want to first ask, um, what's your experience like been adapting to the pandemic as an artist? Um. Great question. It's been uh, very challenging, but also uh, quite gratifying. Um, it's definitely been challenging in relation to music. I have, yeah, I guess I've really been missing um, performing, obviously connecting with um, audiences and individuals has been, um, you know, it's left a little cavity in my heart, um, but it's also been gratifying in the sense that I've been pushed to lean into other artists' practices, which has been really cool. Um, and also sort of pushed to embody my creative practice in just like my day-to-day -day lived experience, trying to incorporate different aspects of performance into how I uh, engage with the world on a, on a much broader casual level, which has been really cool. Um, but yeah, it's it's been, I've definitely really missed uh, the aspects of, of music that are not accessible at the moment. Mm, for sure. Yeah, I guess definitely like COVID especially, it's impacting all of us, but I guess especially for the live arts and music industry, it's so dependent on like touring, like you said, for like finance and everything. But it's good totally. to hear like your perspective, like you've been able to find time to like self-reflect, try out different hobbies and stuff like that. And I guess grow from that and hopefully make better music. I guess. Um, exactly. I guess moving um, related to lockdown, I guess we've all missing live gigs and festivals. I guess just like mm. adding to that sense of FOMO, what has been <laughs> like your favorite uh, venue, gig or festival to perform at? Oh, um, so my favorite venues are definitely uh, the Bearded Tit and the Red Rattler. They are two queer venues in so-called Sydney. Um, and I think my favorite gig was at, the Red Rattler, it was this community gig for um, UCID Derby League. Um, and it was called the Dirty Derby Ball. And um, it must've been like three, oh, 
maybe two or three years ago, but um, it was like, I think one of my very first shows to a, a explicitly queer audience and a lot of the people there were my friends and loved ones and it felt really like community orientated. Um, in gigs like that, I just feel like there is such, <clears throat> such a, a openness to the audience, right? Um, because they know that you're queer and they're queer. So there's already this sort of underlying connection. Um, and yeah, the, the tangible energy that comes from performances like that is like, it's like a high, you know, it's like a full body sensation. Um, and gigs like that are where I really thrive. I'm, I'm always trying to, to achieve that kind of like tangible energy when I perform um, and, and trying to establish some kind of deeper connection with the individuals in the crowd. Um, and with that gig, it just flowed so naturally. So that's got to be, that's got to be one of my favorites, at least. <laughs> mm, for sure. Yeah, that sounds like the whole yeah, solidarity again to know everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, honestly, I'm like counting down the days until like festivals and concerts come again. <laughs> I think I remember totally. the last festival I went to was like Field Day 2020, like big festival. And like, yeah, yeah. like that's where my, my life peaked. And like ever since yeah. then, it's been downhill. But I guess yeah, <laughs> enough about me. It's about you. I guess moving on to the next <laughs> section. I guess I'd like to talk a bit about your favorite artists and influences. So mm. I've heard in a couple of interviews that you've mentioned some of your favorite artists, such as Amy Winehouse, The Fugees, Charles Gambino, No Name, Little Sims. What do you think all these artists have in common, do you think, make them so appealing to you? Um, I think, I think um, something that I really look for in music, in the music that I listen to, into and the music is a balance of of authentic expression and then also like um discourse on like contemporary issues um amy winehouse obviously is a, a older uh artist like from a, from a slightly different time same with the fujis but um especially with the more recent music that i've been listening to there i i i find it kind of um I find it difficult to connect, to connect if artists aren't addressing things that everybody's thinking about at the moment. And, and at the moment, I think there's been a massive push for social action and uh, critical analysis of society. So, you know, No Name is an incredible example of an artist balancing their pursuit for, for creative expression and releasing music and then also engaging with social issues and um, that's really important to me. Uh, you know, another one of my favorite artists at the moment is Barker and she's a shining example of like really like going hard in the music industry and, and, and doing it with a, with an obvious agenda that is, you know, fighting for equality and, and heavily involves, uh, identity politics, but in a really genuine way, like it's not showy. She's not saying shit because, she thinks she has to, she's just expressing who she is and, and how she wants to see the world change. Um, and I find that's that incredibly inspiring and, and um, yeah, it really, it really changes the texture of a, of a song when you can hear that passion and that um, fierceness coming from the musician. Mm, so yeah, you mentioned like passion, like authentic expression, um, social activism, where do you think this has also then shaped and informed your own music? Yeah, um, well, I think it's it's always been intrinsic to my project and just to my person. Um, 
to be engaging with social issues. Uh, I grew up with uh, uh, attending a youth movement um, which had a big emphasis on critical analysis um, and was really trying to inform us from a young age of like inequalities and injustices in society and, and how we might combat that or at least have conversations about it. Um, so that's something that's always been on my radar. And um, obviously then as, as a musician or an artist who prioritizes authentic expression, that's always sort of seeped into whatever creativity, um, whatever creative products I'm, I'm making or working on. Um, I think it's, I think it's, it's had a major influence on my songwriting um, because I, I don't want to be releasing empty, empty music. I, I, I want to be releasing feel good songs, of course, but I don't think for me, at least it feels pointless to just, you know, sing love songs or, or, you know, sing about the sun in the sky without also recognizing the darkness that inherently exists, even on a sunny day. Sure. You know, I, I um, recently, especially in the past sort of two years, I've, I've felt myself almost completely consumed by the concept of duality and infinite complexity. Um, and so recognizing that, I feel like if I, if I only speak to one side of, of this, you know, <laughs> infinitely complex society, I feel like I'm doing it, I'm doing an injustice to myself, to my music, and also to my audiences. Like, I, I very much um, believe that everyone has the capacity to engage with social issues and to, uh, you know, make some kind of difference, contribute in some way to bettering society, even if that's just by trying to better ourselves. So I find it like incredibly important to weave that into my music, into my poetry, into my storytelling, my performance art, whatever it is. It's, it's um, yeah, it, it's not so much how it's influenced my music, but, but it's like inherent to my craft, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's a really good message. Yeah. Mm. Um, I guess just a similar question, question, you mentioned how you've collaborated with a lot of different artists. Like I mentioned, uh, this Ivy, Genesis, Uwisu, Super Ego. Is there any particular experience you have another artist that stands out to you? Um, yeah, I, I love collaboration. <laughs> um, I really love working with different artists. Um, the songwriting process is one of my favorite parts of being a musician. Um, and when you're collaborating, at least for me, I, I experience it as a um, incredibly, uh, you know, spiritual process. I'm I'm quite a spiritual person, um, <laughs> if you couldn't already tell. Um, yeah. And when you're creating with someone else, you're you're putting yourself in this incredibly vulnerable space. You know, it's like uh, I'm gonna write something. I'm gonna express myself in some way that's authentic and you know, when, when you're collaborating with artists, you often don't know each other very well beforehand. So you're sort of like, oh, how is this going to go down? Like, are you going to vibe with this? Am I going to vibe with what you wrote? Are we going to come up with like, like, are we even on the same page about what we're trying to write about? Um, and one, one process that just flowed so naturally was uh, writing um, Heat Sync uh, with Slimset, which, which is my most recent release. Um, when we when we went to to write that song, I went to their studio in Marrickville at the time, and um, 
Cal, who's the MC of the duo, was running late. And I got in there with Atro, who's the producer. And um, we just like within an hour and a half had written this entire song, you know. Um, it flowed so organically because I, I really feel like we both came to it with a super open mind and a genuine belief that uh, each other were like um, talented and capable of producing something really beautiful. Um, so with that underlying sort of belief and investment in each other's craft, this song just fully organically came to be. Um, and it brought me the most joy. Um, yeah. being, being in that space where that creativity flows so freely is just like, you know, it, it gives you life. Um, and, and was really like affirming as well for me as a songwriter to be like, wow, when the setting is right and and the energies complement each other, this process can be just so fluid and so natural. Um, so that's that's definitely a collaboration that has stood out to me. And we're still really good friends. So <laughs> mm, yeah, good to hear. Yeah, for sure. Like it definitely collaboration is such an inherent part for music. And like you said, mm. when you finally meet someone, it just clicks for you. Like the energy and vibes. Like you play up each other's like differences and similarities, yet you also can learn and be motivated by each other. Like, mm. yeah, that's really, really good to hear. Mm. I guess while we're on the topic of artists, I guess obviously pandemic might be hurting certain, like financially, it's a bit harder now. Are there any local artists you think deserve more recognition or you'd like to give like a quick shout out to? Um, I definitely think uh, A Girl is an artist that, that deserves more recognition even though she's doing super well she she should be like an international superstar she's incredible um Lupa J is is an incredible non-binary uh electronic musician currently based in Nam um they also deserve massive recognition um Baka deserves more recognition and then also um Kait, who has had a lot of success, um, but is currently trying to crowdfund some money so that uh, they can leave their current label, um, which is like a heartbreaking thing to witness. But I, I really hope that they get to generate enough money so that they can leave that that toxic situation. Um, but yeah, if if you don't know, you should check out Kait's Instagram and and contribute whatever you can to the GoFundMe. No, yeah. Sure, yeah. It's like everyone tuned in, go check those guys out, support them. Yeah. Uh, just to cap it off, I guess, what do you think as listeners, what can we best do, I guess, to best support local artists during this pandemic? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult. I think like something that everybody hopefully has access to is just like sending them a nice message. <laughs> Even just like being like, hey, I like your music. Uh, even if they're quiet at the moment, I... I like I can speak from my personal experience and my personal experience alone. And I've found it really difficult to create new music during this pandemic. I feel like I get a lot of my inspiration from interpersonal experiences. And obviously those are incredibly limited at the moment. Um, so even if your favorite artist isn't creating anything um, or releasing anything at the moment, even just shooting them a message to be like, about you listening to your previous tracks you know like looking forward to when we can see you live again or or even just like your songs have been making a difference to my lockdown experience I think that stuff is super meaningful um and beyond that I would say if if these artists that you love have songs up on Bandcamp purchasing the tracks on Bandcamp makes a big difference um yeah yeah it's it it, it definitely um I think there are a lot of artists who are really hurting at the moment 
investment, especially in the bank department. So <laughs> contributing in that way is, is definitely super valuable too. But uh, a nice message goes a long way as well. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, like the bank camp, bank camp thing, yeah, funding. I know, like, my opinion, like, streaming doesn't really give too much money, like, Apple Music and Spotify versus, like, Bandcamp. I guess, like, it skips all the intermediaries and you get, like, the funds directly. Totally, totally. And yeah. and it's hard, like, I use streaming services. As a musician, I use streaming services, you know, like, um, but when when I have a bit of extra extra money in the bank, you know, after I contribute to whatever social causes I need, I, I feel inclined to, um, I'll always go and like drop some coin on on an artist's uh, tracks that I that I love, and especially for local artists, I I feel like it makes a really big dif- big difference. Pardon me. <laughs> hmm, for sure, and I guess yeah, the moment when lockdown hopefully dies down, yeah, when gigs come back, yeah, come support your local artists, see them live, do support them if you can. I'm sure that would mean a lot to you guys. Absolutely. <laughs> I guess moving on to the next section, MB, I like to hear some of your hot takes on some topics. So I follow you on social media and obviously just talking to you, you're quite an outspoken artist when it comes to equal representation opportunities within the creative industry, especially when it comes to queer, transgender and First Nation issues. Mm. So I just wanted to ask you, what do you think needs to be the biggest change within the music industry? Or maybe if on a smaller scale, is there any issue you feel in particular needs to be discussed or addressed? Yeah, um... I, I think it's really complicated. I think there's a lot of things that need to be addressed in the music industry, the same as any industry um, and, and just like society at large. I think it's quite comparable to sort of use the music industry as a microcosm for like the greater situation, which again, like I said, is, is applicable to most industries. Um, I think like uh, there's obviously quite a light being being shone on capitalism and and the toxicity of of the systems that we're currently oppressed by. Um, And I I don't see a lot of reflection going on in creative industries about about how we engage with capitalism yet. Um, There are definitely individual artists who are, um, you know, donating portions of ticket sales or or streaming sales, royalties, whatever, to different um, uh, grassroots organizations or, or funds for social change. And I think that's really important. Um, but uh, on like a bigger level, these, these more mainstream artists who have perhaps a larger platform or, you know, these, these major labels that are just sitting on, you know, millions and millions of, of dollars. Um, it would be really cool to call some accountability there and to ask for redistribution of money. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very big on the idea that uh, there is definitely enough money in the world for people to not have to suffer in a way that they currently do. Um, and for, and, and, you know, there's enough money to facilitate mass social change and, and a, a transformation in how we engage with labor. Um, but yeah, I don't think those conversations have started yet uh, or, or they haven't been a light hasn't been shone on the music industry in that way. I would love to see that um, spoken about more and and beginning to shift. Uh, aside from that, you know, always looking for more platforming of First Nations artists, always looking for more platforming of trans artists, of people of color. Um, but that's that's you know we can we can I feel like I've started to see a change in in those things. Um, uh, which has been really exciting. Um, 
but yeah, there's there's very far to go in in all aspects of, of the industry. It's quite conservative or um, is only really now just starting to shift away from that, especially when it comes to looking at artists that have bigger platforms. But, you know, then we have things like Lil Nas X winning winning VMAs and, and yeah. shouting out the gay agenda. <laughs> so like there's change, it's yeah. happening. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Definitely can see that change. I guess sometimes it might feel like feel like virtual signaling where it's like they say things, but like their actions don't exactly line up with that in the long run. Exactly. I guess you mentioned before about the whole complicated nature of this topic. I guess for mm. people who are not too informed regarding this stuff, can you think of any resources or websites or ways people can use to educate themselves on these kind of matters? Um, yes, yes, like, can I? <laughs> um, I, I think, like, one of the best things you can do is, is find, like, individuals who are having these conversations and, um, and, and sort of hold views that resonate with you or don't resonate with you, like, regardless, in, engaging with individuals on a grassroots level, on a community level, how we set the foundations for broader change. Um, and so, you know, uh, there's, there's quite a few artists who are starting to engage with, with this sort of thing, even artists that are a little bit bigger, like Little Sims, like No Name, um, you know, Kite now having these conversations around trying to leave their label. Um, I think like focusing in on, on those individuals and, and realizing that these are like people's lived experiences, like this isn't just some sort of like hoity-toity intellectual discourse. Like these are real people whose lives are being impacted by the industry and its prejudices. So engaging with those individuals and offering them support, I think is a really wonderful first step in, in starting to engage with these big, big conversations. Cause they are really big conversations and they can be really intimidating if you don't feel like you have a good understanding. Um, but yeah, without, without taking those first steps, um, you'll always be stuck in that like, oh, I want to engage, but I can't engage. Uh, so um, you got to be vulnerable. And, and also like acknowledging the fact that like, we're going to be wrong. Every individual is going to be wrong. We're going to, um, I saw this like infographic meme on Instagram the other day that said, uh, it, uh, you shouldn't feel ashamed to admit that you previously spoke from a place of, of less understanding or something. Just like, um, it's not a bad thing to make mistakes. You know, it's not a bad thing to be corrected by someone about a social issue. That's how we grow. That's how we learn. Um, so yeah, giving, giving yourself a break when engaging with that as well, I think is really important, especially at first. Yeah. Like definitely the whole message about like grassroots, I'm especially like you can like read articles and your Google searches, but it's not until you actually talk with someone and like put yourself in their shoes is when you get to like really understand the issue and everything. Totally. And, and I, you know, I'm, I'm a person who really struggles to engage with articles and that sort of more academic research. I, I tried to go to uni and I lasted like three months and then I dropped out because I was like, oh, my brain, do not do this. <laughs> um, so, so like those alternate, there, there are so many alternate avenues to, to find um, this sort of uh, discourse and engage with it in a way that might be more accessible for people who who might struggle to engage with um, written articles or whatever so yeah <laughs> mm, for sure uh, on to the next question I'm also interested to hear your opinions I guess on the current Australian hip-hop and R&B scene mm. I guess what do you think differentiates it say from like the UK or American scene um, so much 
much. I, I, I really love the Australian hip hop R&B scene. I think also um, like, you know, we used to see a lot of Australian artists, especially in that scene, trying to emulate the voice of like UK or American rap. Um, and in the past few years, I've really seen so many artists from so-called Australia leaning into the, the Australian voice, you know, leaning into um, the lived experience of, of this land, um, which has been really, really cool. And I think as people living in so-called Australia, we have a lot of unique experiences. We have a lot of um, unique social scapes, uh, which is really beautiful to see reflected in, in people's music. Um, yeah, I, I also think just like uh, First Nations artists are like the power of their voices like shakes me. Every time I listen to a Barker song, I have full body shivers, you know? Um, yeah, I, I think there's like so much to be learnt and, and appreciated about so-called Australian rap and hip hop. Um, yeah. Did I answer the question? I'm sorry. I kind no, of that's really good. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess like, yeah, like in my opinion, like we have a very strong like Indian rock scene, but I guess the hip hop scene is more niche. But really, I think, like you said, does deserve more attention. I like oh, remember back, really? in, back in high school, I used to um, bump a lot uh, Remy, R-E-M-I. Mm. Know them. I do mm. have really fond memories with the like 2016 EP. But yeah. it's, I guess it's also good to see like it's getting more international recognition. Like you see on one end, it's like obviously like the UK drill scene. There's one four doing their stuff. Yeah. On the other side, there's like TK Mazda. I don't know if you're familiar with her. Um, she was yeah. Adelaide based, and she's now got like a billboard in Times Square. It's amazing. And of course, it's like yeah. Kid Leroy. Kid Leroy, yeah. like he's a bloke from Redfern, and all of a sudden now he's got number one global song with Justin Bieber. So yeah, it's really cool that we're seeing like a resurgence recently, and like we're getting like the recognition we deserve. Because like you said, we do have a really unique voice and really unique like social landscape to talk about and everything i guess on to the next question <laughs> i guess like shifting gears a bit i guess um i'm part of the roundhouse and blitz which has been part of unisw so i think i have a question for like a uni student demographic would like so obviously i'm a uni student myself and i think like my main hobby is having an existential crisis all the time mm. about who i am and like what path i want to take <laughs> so like <laughs> i was wondering as someone who's probably gone through quite a path of personal growth do you have any like general words of wisdom advice you think can give to those who feel they're at a, like a major crossroad in their lives? Yeah, totally. Um, damn. So, so another thing that I do outside of music is I uh, offer um, <laughs> like intuitive guidance through tarot readings and stuff like that. And something that I've said to a lot of people who express a similar sentiment of, you know, feeling lost or or whatever my first step uh when I'm in that space my first step is to um recognize and observe what feels good so it sounds really simple um but like a lot of the time especially where when we're in a state of um lostness or confusion or panic we will um have these like narratives written in our heads of what we should be doing and how we should be acting and how we should be feeling. Um, and what I ask is for people to like take a second to just stop, to like breathe 
and to really sit with themselves and be like, well, what do I actually want to do? What's actually going to make me feel genuinely good in this moment? Not some, you know, feeling of satisfaction from, from productivity, not, not external things, but like what's actually going to feel good and resonate for me personally in, in whatever moment. Um, and then leaning into that, you know, appreciating that that might not look like what you've been told, um, you know, your life should look like. It, it might look super different to what you've even been telling your life should look like, but establishing a very basic foundation of like understanding what actually makes you feel good in your heart and in your body um, is, is I think a really great step to, to actually understanding uh, where you might want to go in your life, you know, and appreciating as well that, that, that everything is fluid, you know, what feels good for you today might not feel good for you tomorrow. What felt good for you a year ago especially given our current, you know, global situation, probably doesn't feel super great for you right now. Or maybe you don't even have access to it. And allowing yourself the freedom to explore different avenues, to get creative and to get, you know, get weird with, with trying to figure out what actually sits, sits well with you. Um, I think that's really, really important. And that, that would be that would be my my initial advice. <laughs> no, I completely agree. Yeah, very important message, I guess. There's all these societal expectations, like pressures. Do this, should do that. But I guess, yeah, like just following your heart, intuition, what feels good to you. You know, taking the time to experiment and really figure that out. Like, you know, we're all, there's no race. We're all trying to figure out in our own time and everything. And everything happens for a reason. We'll figure yeah, it out eventually. Yeah, totally. You know, I, especially when it comes to creativity, there have been moments in my life where I've tried to like push things out and I look back on those projects and I'm like, oh God, you know, I struggled to engage with them. I struggled to listen to them. And now, you know, I'm, I'm creating things that are totally different and like pretty absurd as well and, and won't have the amount of reach or, or you know, what probably won't resonate with as many people or with, with, with the same audiences or whatever. Um, and like, I'm totally at peace with that because the motivation is coming organically. I'm not having to force myself at all. And that, you know, I have major trust in the process. I have major trust in the universe and major trust in myself to be creating what, what I need to create, you know, to be using my creativity as a vessel for self-expression instead of, instead of like using it as a, as a way of attaining money or using it as a way of gaining social status or whatever. It's like, yeah, I, I really think that if we if we can trust ourselves enough, if we can understand ourselves enough to recognize what genuinely feels good for us, then then it's just a, a process of leaning into what feels good and, and allowing that fluidity, allowing that shifting and that changing and that growth that will inevitably come from it. Mm, sure. Uh, just really quickly, one last opinion from you. Uh, I was mm. asking, what is your current favorite album of the year, if you have any? <laughs> that's really hard um my favorite current album does it have to have been released this year uh preferably yeah but if you can't then any album's fine um did Igor come out this year title the creator uh I think it came out two years ago but that is a very good album <laughs> oh my god what yeah. a trip time is yeah. such a so elusive at the yeah. moment he released a new um album this year actually though oh damn oh yeah, yeah. uh call me if you get lost yeah 
loved that. And then also um, Little Sims' new album was really, really good. So I was going to say, it is, it is like, it's unfair how brilliant that is. Like, totally. It's, it's, it's crazy. Totally. Yeah. Every time that she's rapping and she says Simbi, I'm like, that's so close to my name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And just like the production on it too. Like, it's so like extravagant and like, it's like a film score, like Alice in Wonderland. It's so, yeah. it's different to what you usually hear in like the hip hop scene. And totally. also like her subject matter too, I guess, like, like introvert, like, I guess like I'm also an introvert. So like, I was really able to resonate with the lyrics. And like you said, like her flowing cadence, um, I don't yeah. want to rant too much. I can do like a whole hour discussion about that album. Oh my God. But like, yeah, it is, everyone should check that out. It's a really, really great album. Totally. It's, it's an exceptional piece of music and it's really like a story as well. Like there's yeah, such consistent narrative. Yeah. 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 I love, I really love that album. <laughs> Yeah, and like you mentioned too, um, Tyler Crater, yeah, always, um, I love seeing him, how he changes each album and grows as a person. Mm. And yeah, I remember the other day I was trying to get tickets for him. Like he has his first uh, concert next year in Australia. Yeah. Like, they, they sell it like straight away. Like we, ended, me and my friend end up having to get like the really expensive like VIP tickets because we really wanted to see him. Ah, but, uh, oh my God, like, yeah, I'm so jealous. It will be 100%. <laughs> yeah, you can't put money on experience, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I guess um, we've been to the last bit of our chat, MB. I just want to spend some time taking a deeper look into your music. Mm. So I'm someone who listens to a lot of hip hop. And what I found really refreshing about you and just even talking to you, like you said, just how honest and spiritual you are. And to me, yeah, that really gives me a, a sense of reassurance and hearing someone who's so confident and just like owning their identity and like sense of self. That's like my personal takeaway from your music. But I guess I was wondering, what like your listeners, what would you want your listeners to ideally take away from your music? Um, I, I mean, I, I very much recognize that, um, actually, let me start from the beginning. So when I first released music, I had like very specific intentions for every song. I was like, okay, you know, acidic, I want people to walk away being like, whoa, um, psychedelics uh firstly like can be really dangerous but also can be like incredibly powerful tools for growth um vip i wanted to walk away being like oh my god like i can um not only like love myself on a shallow level but also like deeply and sensually like yearn for myself and that that's something to be celebrated um and i sort of had those those more specific intentions for my tracks and then the, the older I got, the longer I'd been engaging with music and speaking with people who engaged with my music, the more I realized that it doesn't matter what my individual intentions are, people are gonna take what they need to take from, from my tracks. Um, and I love that. So I, I would want people to take away from my music, you know, whatever resonates for them, whatever they feel uh, come up I I just would hope that they're like sitting with that and really listening to themselves and and appreciating what sort of like emotional processes the the different songs trigger in them um but I also you know to hear you say and and recognize the authenticity behind my music and and you know my my outspokenness about who I am and the confidence in myself like that's incredibly gratifying for me and that's definitely something that I hope most people can recognize in my music because it's something I, I've worked really hard to cultivate in myself and, and consistently do work on to maintain. Um, so that's, yeah, that's really nice. I deeply appreciate your saying that. <laughs> and I guess like following up with that, like not just for your listeners, um, I've read that for yourself. You've touched on before, like music has been very cathartic for you. 
helping mm. you find that sense of authentic expression and sense of self mm. so i guess could you elaborate on like your personal relationship with music and like how you think it's like shaped you as a person yeah my um my personal relationship with music has definitely been sorry one sec sorry nice. um my personal relationship with music is uh it, i mean music triggers me um in the beautiful and positive ways i i think like triggers and challenges are spaces in our lives and in our our person where we have the most capacity for growth so um what i look for in 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 music is is songs that like hit hit my heart songs that have that tangible energy that like resonates somewhere in my body or somewhere in my spirit that makes me sort of think a little bit deeper and 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 um yeah that's definitely what i try and embody in my songs as well um sorry did i answer that question <laughs> that's good yeah yeah i completely agree um cool. yeah i guess like personally for me like i also like to make beats in my spare time not as much like mm. as an artist but I also i'm a more introverted person so for mm. me it's like been like a really important outlet for me to be able to express i guess feelings and emotions and i guess something like tangible that i can't really express with words so i guess kind of same thing like for your pedic yeah you know, yeah yeah totally it's 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 totally therapy to be able to um to express yourself you know authentically and and now i feel like i'm better at doing that in my day-to-day -day life and and really try and intentionally carry that with me all the time but definitely when i first started my project i was pretty far from where i am now um and as much as i was like working on vulnerability and, and working on authentic expression it was much more difficult to embody it on a day-to-day -day, um basis and and music offered me an outlet to engage with that uh authenticity and vulnerability in a way that i i hadn't previously known um which was like like literally therapy <laughs> yeah. yeah i guess um moving on i'll talk a bit about some of your releases so your newest ep back then uh first of all i love it and oh, i guess yeah, i was wondering if you could describe me what like the creative process behind that release was like and i guess did it differentiate in any way from like your first ep yeah it was totally different the first ep um the when i so so my creative process my writing process was um sort of when i write tracks or before when i was writing tracks i would have like one line or a chorus or something come into my head and then i'd get my pen and i get my journal and i'd write a whole song in one sitting and then i'd be like okay song is written need to take it to a producer um and that was the same for back then and for um for me which was my first ep but the difference was in intentionally collaborating with producers so uh with my first ep i i had the pleasure of collaborating with a wonderful producer um but i wasn't in a space in my artistry where i could assert boundaries and really push for exactly what i wanted i didn't have the words i didn't i felt like so out of my depth and i ended up with with great tracks but tracks that um didn't really sound the way that i envisioned them um whereas with back then i was a lot more grounded in myself as an artist i really came to these sessions with with um the producer i worked with who is citizen k um or k answer who is a wonderful um musician in canberra um but yeah when i came to him i i like knew 
exactly what I wanted. And, and he really recognized that and was like, okay, like I'm the beat maker, you're the producer, you just tell me what to do. And I ended up with these tracks that really reflected a lot more of what I'd initially envisioned for, for the lyrics and melodies that I'd written. Um, so it was a lot more gratifying to see those tracks uh, actualize um, because I actually like had the confidence to assert myself in the space, which was really cool. Mm. And I guess when like writing tracks, like you mentioned, um, do you usually start with the lyrics first and then try to write a beat around that? Or do you hear a beat and then all of a sudden feel inspiration with the lyrics like come out of it? Um, it, it when I was first writing, like when I first started the project, it was 100% lyrics and melody would come into my head and then I would go and, and find or create a beat. Um, but now it, it's super fluid. I have days where um, I'll you know pick up my pen and, and write a whole song like I used to without any beat um, and then I'll have other days where you know I'm collaborating with an artist they send me a beat and then the lyrics just flow from there uh, it really can go either way and I love allowing myself the freedom to engage in that creative expression however however um, however it happens you know like trying not to limit myself to any particular way of doing things just just allowing it to flow organically as it happens mm. and i guess while we're talking about that ep um pages and screams that's one of my favorite songs of yours with um mm. the legend genesis Ogusu. bigger shout out mm. to him and yeah i was watching the music video the other day and i think one thing that really stood out to me was just your vocal delivery and i guess your body language like even in this interview i can tell like body language is very like natural and important to you and it really makes your rapping and singing seem really effortless and soulful in a way. Mm. So I guess I was just wondering, what do you think? Do you think rapping and singing comes naturally naturally to you? And if possibly, I guess you kind of mentioned already, like run me through like your lyric writing process. Yeah. So um, I think, uh, I don't think rapping comes naturally to me, but I do think um, singing does and uh, writing does. So uh, which which I'm really grateful for, um, but the the marriage of singing and poetry, um, or spoken word poetry specifically, in my mind is rap. And so once I sort of like married those two talents together, married those two gifts together, um, then rap started coming naturally. But it wasn't something that I like. It was something that I had to intentionally. Uh, work on and intentionally be like okay cool now I'm gonna start rapping you know whereas singing I've always been singing since I was like tiny baby um, <laughs> and writing I've been writing as a form of, of self-expression and emotional catharsis since I was since I could write so um, yeah singing definitely comes naturally writing writing came naturally um, but they both also take a lot of work to maintain um, and then rapping rapping is like a uh, was something that I had to more intentionally work on. Um, and yeah, in terms of my lyric, my, my lyric uh, writing process, my songwriting process, it's, it definitely ebbs and flows. It definitely um, is like super fluid. Some days it looks one way and other days it looks entirely different. Um, some days I also can't engage with it at all, which has been uh, a painful reality throughout lockdown. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have different creative outlets and, and also to be living in a really wonderful space that has, that encourages creative expression in alternate ways. Um, so I've been leaning a lot more into my writing and, and visual art. Um, 
and uh yeah that's been that's been super gratifying so giving it space giving the songwriting space when it isn't coming naturally um is definitely also a key part of my songwriting process <laughs> yeah and yeah I like what you said about like poetry like maybe we don't realize maybe that rapping inherently is just like poetry from like rhyme mm. schemes and word choices and how they sound and everything I know like I remember like on your Instagram like poetry is something you do a lot even mm. at the end of um Peaches and Screams it ends with like a poetic outro if I remember yeah there's another song I forgot I think Young Thoughts interlude sorry if I'm saying yeah that. but that's just nah, the whole reciting poetry and everything which I really like mm. I guess um there's can you translate poetry like straight away from like that into like melodies and verses is it really seamless or do you have to like kind of then work on it kind of thing to make it yeah yeah it it definitely depends on what I'm writing and sort of like what my uh intention is behind it and if I have an intention behind it um uh sometimes I will just like write a poem that is a song inherently like it just comes with melody just like that can't separate the words from the melody you know I don't need to transcribe any music theory or anything like that because when I read the words they they're a song um and then there are other times where you know I've I've got I have a very large <laughs> collection of unpublished poems and 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 some of them I look at and I'm like oh yeah like I can see a song in here if I if I like piece it together in a particular way or if someone sends me a beat and I need to find lyrics quickly I can look back on my poems and be like oh yeah I could match this um but there are definitely poems that I that are meant to be read you know there are there are definitely some poems that are not um not musical uh and and I I like I said before I don't try and force things if if um somebody sends me a beat and none of my poems match the beat then I will write something new for it I'm not going to try and make some like make a creative product fit into a different kind of box for the sake of it I want it to I want it to be organic and I want it to feel um intentional and and to have that energy and I don't think forcing a project to fit in a particular layout um translates that kind of energy and I guess really quickly I know you touched upon it before about your latest release heat sink just this year um, in collaboration mm. with Slimset. I thought it was interesting how like it switched out your usual like woozier dreamy instrumentals for like a higher tempo like drum and bass kind of genre beat which mm. I thought was like an interesting change of pace. Uh, you talked a bit about how already how you like met up and everything I guess you can tell me what was like yeah just like the thought process behind that and like why this choice to like I guess experiment with different sounds and stuff. Yeah um well uh I think because my personal music preference um expanded uh in a really big way over the past like two years three years to involve a lot more electronic music a lot more dance music um i i uh when we're not in lockdown i really live for raving like um i find it to be like a super spiritual space dancing and moving my body to like repetitive beats is like soul soothing on such a deep level for me um and so I wanted to be able to create music that I could um, involve that community in as well, because you know when you when you're uh, going to these sorts of raves every weekend, you you there is a community there that exists, and I wanted to be able to share my creativity, my creative expression with that crowd as well, not only the sort of um, the sort of like wavier. Um, audiences that I was engaging with previously so um 
you know, that's that's a really big passion of mine. And that's something that I hope to lean deeper into as well um, as I continue creating music. But uh, I've always been the sort of artist that didn't want to be tied down to any specific genre. I really love genre bending. I really love, um, you know, I have dreams and aspirations to create like a rap rock album one day to, to you know, release like an album full of just like sad piano songs. Like um, I love seeing the way that my voice reacts to different genres and my lyrics react to different genres. And, and um, I, I, you know, maybe I'm greedy, but I want to, I want to taste all of the different flavors, you know? Um, so when, when I first sort of heard of Slingset's music, I was pretty immediately like, oh damn, like I want to collaborate with these boys. Like they've got a really good sound and it's really different to what I've previously explored. Um, and it aligns with this new community, you know, I think I heard one of their songs at a rave and that was the first time I was introduced to them and I was like, this is an Australian accent on like a, on like a fucking techno beat, like huge, you know, I want to, I want to get a taste of that. Um, and lucky enough for me, uh, they were around and I, and, and we met up and, and the rest is history. But uh, yeah, I think, I think just like, finding other creatives who I can collaborate with on different genres is something that really excites me. So I'm super grateful that that opportunity came to be. Mm, yeah, the whole genre bending, especially with rap, I think why I really like the hip hop genre, just how flexible it is. Like, yeah. like I think you've mentioned in the interview before, like it is no one side there is like a very masculine, more braggadocious kind mm. of side. So but on the other side, you've also got like really soulful, um, respective beats like you mentioned no name room 24 little sims mm. obviously you um this really great versatility there's no like boundaries and obviously like on the internet there's yeah it's really there's no possibilities uh endless kind of thing but yeah i'd yeah. love to hear like a rap rock um album that would sound amazing <laughs> yeah oh my yeah. god just you wait we're working on it we're working on it <laughs> Yeah, I guess, well, Imbi, that about wraps it up for our conversation. Uh, but look, amazing artist, really dope individual, really thoughtful and engaging to talk to. So like, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. And I just want to end it off with one last question, which is what is next for Imbi? And like, what can we expect from you in the future? Um, well, I will say that uh, I have been working a lot on my writing throughout lockdown, and I'm hoping to publish a written work soon. Um, and aside from that, I'm still I'm still slowly working away at the music, um, and I will never stop releasing music. But um, there'll be some things coming out next year, which uh, some of them will be quite different projects. Um, some of them will be more true to the stuff that I've released previously. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm gonna be dabbling in whatever feels good at any given moment. So uh, keep an open mind and. Uh, um, Hopefully I'll, I'll see everyone from the stage again soon. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's great. Yeah, keen, really keen to hear all that. Uh, once again, um, thanks for chatting with us, MB. And to everyone watching and listening, thanks for sticking to the end. So yeah, please go check out MB out. That's I-M-B-I if you want to find them on streaming services on social media. Thank you.